Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Do not be haughty, be associate with the lowly. Never be conceited, 
Repay no one for evil for evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceful, peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise.
May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message today comes from our gospel reading. Let's pray. Gracious God, we pray that you would bless our time as we walk with Jesus. Help us to trust in you all our days, and as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. In our reading today from Matthew, we heard, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? But what can a man give in exchange for his soul? It's a test. Well, next year, in 2024, Paris will host the 33rd Summer Olympic Games, and the Olympics bring together, right, the, the best athletes from each country to compete and strive for those medals, gold, silver, and bronze. The high profile and status goes with winning a medal at the Olympic Games uh, highlights how, uh, how, how important winning is, right? Not only for the individual medal winner, but really for the whole country. I mean, how many times in a country do we like to look at the, the medal count, right? Uh, and see where we're at as, at a, as a country compared to other countries. There's this national pride at having uh, the most medals or a high number of medals during the Olympic contests. Winning is everything, right? Whether it's talking about the Olympics or football or baseball or basketball, or a game of Monopoly or Scrabble or even cards, the aim is to win. Right? And those who do win, they love to brag about it, right? They brag about their skill, their abilities, and their expertise. Winners get all the glory. Even for spectators, winning is everything, isn't it? Because when a team is not winning, or even close to winning, no matter how hard the players are trying, the crowd is pretty disappointed uh, in their performance, aren't they? It becomes obvious because so many times what happens is that uh, uh, the, the fans start to leave uh, before the game is even finished because they believe their team is not going to win. But when the team is winning, what happens? That crowd is right there with the winners to the very, very end, aren't they? Because winners receive all the glory. I don't think the disciples were into football or basketball, but they know from life experience that being a winner was what really mattered. Uh, no one wanted to be regarded as a loser. I mean, that's why uh, the Jews, they were in constant revolt against the Roman rulers. I mean, even if it meant losing one's life, it was worth the effort to make their enemies the losers, right? And themselves the winners. In the reading today, the, Jesus and the disciples were in a, a, the Roman town of Caesarea Philippi. There, on the, as the sort of cool breeze from the, uh, the sea came off upon them, Jesus drops a bombshell. He tells them that not too long from now, he must go to Jerusalem. He must fall into the hands of his enemies. He will suffer. And there he will die. 
Now, the shock uh, is almost greater than the disciples can bear. And Peter, in typical fashion, is the first one who speaks up. He speaks up for the rest of the disciples, and we're told he rebukes Jesus. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, by the way, the word rebuke is a pretty strong word. We hear Jesus rebuking unclean spirits, right? Demons, casting them out uh, with authority. He also rebuked the storms to stop and be still. And, and, and But this is by no means a gentle telling off, right? Rebuke implies a certain amount of authority. <laughs> and so you have this scenario in which Peter, the disciple, is rebuking Jesus as if he, Peter, has greater authority and insight into how Jesus' future ought to be, right? And according to Peter, if Jesus is never going to be a winner, he's going about it all the wrong way, right? Uh, it's clear that the disciple didn't realize that God's idea of who is a winner and how one becomes a winner is quite different than that of the rest of the world. God's way of winning, especially winning over, over sin and death, involves suffering. Those who think that they're winners in Jerusalem, they will be exposed as those who have lost. And that idea runs all throughout history where, where, where God has shown himself to be this God who, who reconciles himself and, uh, to others and, and whose love for humanity never gives up. Jesus is going to be publicly humiliated in the worst form of torture known uh, to humanity. There will be blood. There will be death. Last week we heard Peter answering Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But now there's this talk from Jesus that looks like evil is stronger than good. That enemies are more powerful than the Son of the living God. And so from Peter's perspective, if that's the way it is, then Jesus would be ended up recorded in history as the biggest loser of all time. I mean, I think you probably understand where Peter is coming from here. I mean, heroes are winners. Winners are not defeated by their enemies. Winners don't die on crosses. But then Jesus rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Get behind me, Satan. Wow. That says something about what Jesus thought about Peter's idea, did it? I mean, perhaps Peter's words took Jesus back to his temptation by Satan in the wilderness, right? When Satan tried to get Jesus to take the, the easier path, the more glorious path about being a hero. After all, uh, people would flock to Jesus, right? Uh, after seeing him just sort of float down from the heights of the temple roof, accompanied by an angel or two, uh, and land safely on the courtyard below. The fact that Jesus speaks so strongly to Peter indicates that that what he's about to say is very important. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life from me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So Jesus asks a couple of questions here 
pretty much expecting the negative answer, right? What good will it be? It won't. What can a man give? He can't. Right? You notice what Jesus has done here? He's, he's moved the focus off uh, of the conversation away from himself and what lay ahead for, for him to the disciples and what lay ahead for those who followed him. You see, the path of forgetting oneself is not only for Jesus, but also for all of those who follow him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. What Jesus is saying here is so radical, so different than our usual way of thinking and acting. Uh, we're so used to striving to be the winner, right? We're looking out for number one, uh, the attitude that, that my needs are more important than everyone else's needs. And so soon the words of Jesus fly in the face of self-seeking and self-importance and that's so common in our world, deny yourself. You know, those are difficult words, aren't they? Even for Christians. Deny yourself. Deny your needs. Your ideas, your plans, your, your need to impress, right? Uh, deny your fears, your need to highly, be highly regarded in the sight of other people. Deny your, your whatever, right? And be my disciple. Now we could do what we usually do with anything that's too hard for us, right? We could ignore this, right? Uh, or maybe water it down, make it a little bit easier to swallow. Or we could just do what it says. That is, follow Jesus' example of letting go and being so me-focused and putting God and his kingdom first. As God's child, as his disciple, we have a different perspective from the rest of the world. Nothing is to come between ourselves and God. We place ourselves at, at, at his disposal because his plans now are our plans, right? His will is our will. His ways are our ways. In our lives, we're committed to only one thing. We're focused on, on being Christ-like in our relationships with others. We're, we're dedicated to being his disciples, to, uh, committed to following God's ways and those than those of the world being faithful to God's will, and that his love would be our guide in every circumstance. Make no mistake about it, I mean, Jesus is saying to his, follower, to his follower, that's you and me, becoming a disciple is, is a radical step. And being a disciple demands your commitment to, uh, some translations say, forget yourself or deny yourself, as crazy as it might seem to everyone else. And then Jesus goes on to give the form there for the ultimate loser. Take up your cross. Not the cross of Jesus, but your cross, right? Take up your cross could rightly be understood a sort of more narrow fashion of including the sense of accepting what's before you, right? The cross of maybe it's poor health or grief or loneliness or uh, job loss or so on. In the same way Jesus was able to endure the suffering and pain of the cross with the knowledge that he had a loving Heavenly Father that he could count on. But this phrase also could be seen in the, the sort of the broader, more positive meaning of sharing Christ uh, in the work of showing love and compassion. Jesus has called us as disciples for us to care as he cared, right? To forgive as he forgave, 
to comfort as he comforted, to encourage as he encouraged, to share his love, compassion, and, and truth with the world, to love others enough to tell them the truth of God's word even when it hurts, right? To follow God's ways as he did, to suffer as he suffered, to uh, give sacrificially as Jesus gave sacrificially, and each of us must take up that cross and follow him. Note the way that Jesus uses the word must when talking about his journey to Jerusalem. Just as the Son of Man must be rejected, must suffer, must die, and rise again, so must his disciples take up their cross and follow. That little word indicates that it is God's will that Jesus take up the cross of suffering and humiliation. And likewise, it's God's will that we take up our cross. In November 1992, uh, five nuns were killed in the uh, country of Liberia on the west coast of Africa. They've been missing for about a week uh, from, uh, from near uh, Monrovia. Uh, these were nuns that were experienced missionaries in Liberia, either in education or healthcare ministries, brutally shot. They were left where they were shot. Uh, some in town and some on the road several miles away. In 2015, the world watched in shock as those ISIS captors killed and beheaded 21 construction workers who were Christians in the Coptic Church. Before and during their beheading, they cried out, O oh Lord Jesus, bearing witness to him as they died. Is, is that what discipleship is all about? Is this the cross Jesus is talking about? Being so focused and committed to God's kingdom, the consequences don't matter. Is he saying that we might experience rejection, humiliation, even death when following Jesus? And that is more important than anything else. Does this mean that success in God's eyes is not what we earn? That success in God's eyes is not what we have. Success, success in God's eyes is not what position we have in the community or the church. Success in God's eyes is not the pious life that we live, but that we bear the cross of love, service, sharing with the needy, welcoming the stranger, blessing those who persecute you, never taking revenge and answering evil with good. We heard about this life of faith in our first reading from Romans. Here Paul gives a description of a life focused on discipleship Jesus' way. Paul writes, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if at all possible. As far as it depends on you, 
live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know how you feel, but maybe it's the same I feel, the same way I feel. But every time I read this passage or preach on, on this passage from Matthew, I wonder whether I really deserve the title disciple, member of God's family, follower of Jesus. Jesus' description of discipleship is tough, demanding. How can I ever match that kind of expectation? Well, the plain and simple answer is that none of us can. Now, that's not minimizing Jesus' uh, a call to deny our, oneself and take our, our cross and follow him, but it's acknowledging that our human nature will always get in the way of this kind of discipleship. I take heart from the disciple Peter. He messed up big time, didn't he? And when his commitment to Jesus as a disciple was challenged in the courtyard of the high priest, when Jesus was being led to the courtyard, he knew what Peter had done. He, he, he knew that his eyes were filled with nothing but love and compassion for Peter's wounded spirit. Even after his resurrection, he called Peter uh, to, to, to lead his sheep. That is why Jesus said he must be rejected that he must suffer, that he must die and rise again to bring forgiveness, to bring grace into the lives of the disciples who find themselves failing again and again. It is the cross that makes us losers to be winners. Paul Romans writes, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died so that we might be forgiven that we might have forgiveness, that we might have hope, that we might have courage as we go out and take up our cross and follow him. Yes, we, we may stumble carrying the cross of discipleship. Yes, we may not carry out God's plan as we should. Yes, we may not be as committed and as focused as we ought to be. Nevertheless, God is still calling you and me to deny ourselves. To forget our failures because Jesus died to give us forgiveness and a new start. God is calling you and me to take up our cross. God is calling you and me to follow him. God is calling you and me to serve in whatever way God has gifted us. You see, in Christ, the losers of the world are really winners in eternity. And that is a lot better than a little heaven. Let's serve our Lord. Let's serve our world willingly, faithfully, and lovingly, because of Jesus, we are true winners. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.